0: The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode of 57. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control
1: people and make things float.
2: Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong.
1: Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now
2: the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing.
3: It's against my programming to impersonate a dad.
1: That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing.
0: Remember, the
1: Force will be with you, always. Hey
0: everybody, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Today is a super exciting day. We're talking about the explosive start of The Mandalorian Season 2, and we're looking at the first episode titled The Marshal. Joining me today on the panel are we have a full crew tonight. So first up, we have Andrew Hermes. Hey, Andrew. Hey father. Yeah, it's good to have the gang back. <laughs> yes it is. Uh second up this evening is Angela Silana.
1: Yeah, we call that a posse here where I'm from.
0: <laughs> Third is Thomas Sanjurjo. It's good to be here. And last but certainly not least is Mike Creevy. Oh, I wouldn't be anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's this is this is such an exciting uh time to to be a Star Wars fan and to be all together for this particular uh, kickoff of season two. But uh, before we jump into that, I just wanted to point out to you guys, did you guys realize that more or less we're coming about a one year uh, of us being the, the Secrets of Star Wars podcast? H- Happy anniversary, everybody. So <laughs> yes. I, I looked it up. It's not actually until like another wow. week or two into November, but, but we started right. it off with season one of The Mandalorian. And right. I was gonna yeah. say it didn't start until mid-November last year, mm-hmm. so
4: because uh, it was with it was the Disney Plus launch, I think. Right? It was day of. Mm-hmm. It was the it was like yeah, November 11th or 12th the, or something.
0: The Disney Plus launch, and then they they also like had a couple episode releases like twice during the week, and then oh right when episode nine hit theaters. They shifted. Yeah, right. so, so at least with season two, it's every Friday. I think consistently all the way through uh, the the eight the eight episodes. Yep. So, yeah. So happy pseudo anniversary, kind of. (laughs) So let's uh, jump into, of course, the the whole topic of of this evening's discussion. And it is episode one of season two. It's called The Marshall. Um, It's also just kind of referred to as chapter nine. So it's kind of continuing the whole chapter uh, titling from from the first season. Um, and just to point out that this episode was written and directed by John Favreau. So he's kind of the one in charge of of this whole episode. And and it was a good one. Uh, oh my gosh. It <laughs> yeah. Was so well, <laughs> uh, first first impressions, Thomas, why don't you uh, uh <laughs> share share what you're thinking?
3: I um I, I, I was expecting something good, something like, you know, kind of Big Bang, let's bring it back. And that, that moment when they're standing in the town and you hear the noise of the the crate Dragon coming through the town, that I have never had such chills <laughs> from watching <laughs> anything ever before. That was awesome. Brought me right back to childhood, pulled me right into, like, you know, Aww. super excitement for the future. That was great. <laughs> that was a great moment.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess um, to go off of that, too... Um it didn't even, I didn't even have to get to that point. I just, I remember um, when the the new Star Wars logo came up at the beginning, and I just looked over at my husband, and I got giddy, like, (laughs) you know, before that, I was like, okay, you know, I'm gonna sit down here watching Mandalorian, and honestly, (laughs) wasn't like, super hyped. I was just like, you know, looking forward to it. But once I Saw that and heard that it was like, oh, gosh, here we go. You know, it was um, uh, it was really cool. And I guess my one of my favorite parts or things about this episode um, as a first impression note is uh, the length of it. Mm -hmm. It really felt like I was watching like a mini movie Mm -hmm. Um, because the other season, the first season, the episodes were I think the longest one was like 48 minutes, I want to say. Um, when I looked back, so yeah, this was a real treat, um, to see the story continue.
0: That's one of the the huge benefits of a streaming platform is they can make a, they can make the episodes, whatever length they want to fit the story and not have to fit it into that 42 minute window of, of TV broadcasts. And I, I don't know if, uh,
4: there was a single moment for me, but, um, I just thought, honestly, you know, I, I think one of the things I was wondering the most, Starting out was where exactly we're going to pick up, you know, and we saw so many things in the, the trailer. They're so good at not revealing, you know, anything mm-hmm. too revealing in the trailer. And I just thought it was cool that it was it was one of the first shots from the full trailer. That was the first shot of right. just the very casual kind of walking out of the, sh- the shadows on that unnamed planet and stuff. And I was mm-hmm. just I kind of liked that that not to get that out of the way, but like that that stuff from the trailer looked really cool. But personally, like when it turned out that that wasn't so enormously, you know, deep for the plot and it's just like that's the first scene. I was like, oh, this is great because now there's like that much more. I don't know, you know, <laughs> as we move forward. So honestly, just that like the way it played out, I really appreciated, And it was not really what I expected for the first episode in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I I have to agree. It was it, it really uh, wasn't what I expected, but, you know. Loved every minute of it, um, and at some point, you know, I, I thought it was like, well, if we're seeing the costume, you know, and we see, you know, Timothy Oliphant, obviously he's wearing it, um, you know, so many things jumped to my head as to is, and obviously the, the questions are still abound, you know, after the episode's over uh, with that last shot, but um, what I what I kept thinking was like, well. Are all our expectations gonna, you know, be just blundered for every episode? Cause like, is, is it really Boba Fett that we're seeing at the end? Is Timothy Oliphant gonna be a recurring character? Is he gonna be more important than we thought? You know, it's, it's, so many of those questions came up. And, you know, as, as I'm watching the episode, I'm like, like, yeah, this is why the show is so great. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the trailer showed us nothing, and then watching episode one, we really don't know nothing. <laughs> I mean, uh, but we <laughs> love the we, we so love true. the ride. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we love the whole ride because, again, it, it it goes back to kind of the formula of season one, where it's like, you know, villain of the week, um, you know, uh, uh, and or you know, whatever. Uh, sort of situation he finds himself in that he has to, that he has to get through. He has to make some sort of deal to get some sort of information to get him, you know, just an inch closer to, you know, possibly figuring out where he needs to, you know, send the child. Um, uh, but the formula works. Um, so I think it's a good combination of like sticking with what works best, um, for the show. Um, but also, um, you know throw uh steeping itself in the lore um this episode uh is probably up there with um Star Wars nostalgia uh from the original trilogy um and you know just like the first episode of season 1 you get a character cliffhanger so mm-hmm. yeah it was uh, uh like everyone said a great start to uh, to the season yeah um i am
0: in complete agreement i forgot to mention this at the top of the episode and i don't feel like i should have to mention this if you're listening to this show we are talking spoilers
1: um sorry. right so you know just just know that going forward just make sure
0: you've watched the episode before you tune in uh, to what we're talking about you guys,
1: we can say Boba Fett's name, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like we oh, yeah, they, that they, last they confer- shot. <laughs> they confirm one on figure. IMDb.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's credited yeah. officially. Yeah. 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 Well, so okay. So be- I, I want to do this before we start. I want I want to take guesses on what we think the Western that this that each of these episodes is based on, because I was really intrigued at the fact that all of the uh, all of the se- uh, episodes from season one were based on story an episode of mm-hmm. either a kurosawa film or a western so i pegged this one i knew it like as soon as they got to the cave and started the plan i was like that's war wagon so it was a john wayne film with uh, kirk douglas in it and it was this you know the stagecoach delivering gold they had to figure out how to get to it because it had a gatling gun on it and they blew it up from the bottom and that's how they ended up stealing the gold out of it i was like yes <laughs> so about about halfway through i knew what was going on and then i was i was so happy to see like the The Western play out in space again—that same kind of thing that they've been working on. Thomas, I yield to you big time
4: on the specifics (laughs) of which one.
3: (laughs) I know
1: my westerns,
4: man. I'm gonna cross off all my western (laughs) notes.
1: After I watched this episode, I was like, "Oh, I'm so excited for my fellow co-hosts here because I didn't read the Aftermath series and I never played Knights of the Old Republic, but I know enough to know that." Anybody who has, like, would be really thrilled with this episode. So I was wondering mm-hmm. what you guys um, felt about those connections.
0: So I'll, I'll jump in there just a little bit. So the, the uh, Cobb Vanth character came from Chuck Wendig's Aftermath, uh, the first book. But he's only in one of, I think he's in one of the interlude chapters. So actually not a huge part at all, But okay. um, but that is where he's introduced and and I can't remember the specifics it's been. I know he was a sheriff on Tatooine, and I think that's kind of the gist of the the interlude. So this this very much fills that out. Um, but where I was way more excited and Thomas, I, I mean, I know that it's totally a Western uh, kind of, you know, attitude and, and theme going on. And I'm not a big Western movie guy so so yeah you can you can totally uh take take the reins on on i'll take taking i'll take charge up. on that one um <laughs> yeah. but but i recognized and thomas you might recognize this too but um so moss pelgo actually came from uh the old republic so the the mm-hmm. mmo rpg game yeah um but the whole crate j- dragon Killing a crate dragon and even the the pearl that they get, the Tuscan Raiders yeah. get that all
3: comes from um, Knights of the Old Republic, the video game. Knights of the Old Republic, yeah. And, like the whole eating. it was it was great. It yeah. was great to see it actually like play out on the screen where you like you know the little kid pulls mm-hmm. the pearl out of the guts and yeah. thing. You're like yeah, <laughs> that's it. Because when you're in the game, it's just it pops into your inventory, right? Yeah, you're like. You yep. open the inventory and there's the there's the pearl, and you take it out. And when you when you're a gamer long enough, you start thinking about what that must look like. <laughs> right. So to see it happen on screen, you're like, yes. Uh, what what
0: I enjoyed more so was the fact that in the game you have to use banthas as bait as well. Right. So so there was there were so many parallels to that. Um, I wonder if John Favreau's a fan of Knights of the Old Republic because like the, uh, that's where my mind went rather than the Western. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, I've I've done this before. Like I've been there before.
3: <laughs> I have played this scene.
0: <laughs> yeah, but not it didn't look
4: nearly as cool. You guys know, by the way, if because uh, I know how uh, Brendan Wayne has been the, uh, more like the the sort of western or sort of shooter kind of mm-hmm. stunt man, and they talked a lot about that in the gallery series do we know if he was in this episode or not? Because that would be cool. You know what I mean? Like this connection mm-hmm. with this, you know, a, a homage to a movie your grandfather was in, like right. that kind of thing. Because he's, you know, John Wayne's grandson, and that would just be a particularly cool connection. But I, I, I didn't see that on there. I know they did say Pedro's in the armor a lot more this season than, than he was the first season, apparently.
1: This one wasn't oh, a sure. highly action-packed um, episode, so I wonder if right. if it was Pedro, because he is credited um Mm -hmm. as the mandal man well dinjarin um and i didn't dig in to see um what the stunt credits were so yeah i meant to check that (laughs) but that would be really cool
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you'd think they would at least throw it out there for him at least for even a small (laughs) scene like you've got to be in this in this episode he could be a tuscan (laughs) <laughs> Could be.
1: It's possible. Maybe he was the one that got eaten or something. Yeah, I was gonna say he must get
0: eaten and like you know flooded. <laughs> yeah. Um. The only the only other thing that I kind of wanted to add on just kind of talking big picture things, uh, in terms of this episode was I I loved how how big it was, but also how small it was in terms of storytelling. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so again, kind of like Andrew, you had mentioned like this is kind of its own like self contained story if it's they're just out to kill a crate Dragon. And yet it felt epic. And the plot moved like an inch, <laughs> you know, right, <laughs> which just totally fits this whole this whole uh, this whole show. Um, and and I think that's why I'm OK if if it's not until season three or season four that we get like some really profound answers on on
3: things. I'm I'm yeah. I'm enjoying the ride uh, for for where it's taken us very much. I was we, uh, my wife and I were talking about that with some of the other season or other series that we watch right now where it just seems like they keep trying to one up themselves so much that they lose track of what the show's about and it just becomes this spectacle of how can we like break the the thing that we already did and and you as the viewer are kind of like well, I, I really liked the thing you were doing mm-hmm. <laughs> so you you've gone so far off track now I'm not really enjoying the show as much as I was when it was just that, you know, once a week storytelling of this thing that's happening and we're just moving the plot plot a little bit forward but we have this side quest that everybody's going on for that week you know i think that's why some
0: shows have to um i mean probably why they get canceled after a number of seasons because they're they've Mm -hmm. kind of gone too far off uh off track of what they were originally doing um if it ain't broke don't fix it
4: and we hope mando never
3: jumps a shark you're right <laughs> well they not know what they did i mean you like jumped into the shark here right <laughs> yeah, I know. It's,
4: yeah. yeah it's 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 more more dramatic i think than the fawns or whatever yeah so it's, it's very jaws for sure
0: <laughs> so it's a western jaws episode um well with that let's kind of jump into to the recap and and Get off a of Tatooine for just a second, because uh, the episode starts off with them uh, Din and, and the child not on Tatooine, but they're on some unnamed planet, and he and they are out searching for um, Gore Koresh, whom we don't really we don't really know anything about, but he's he's in this uh, this uh, the the audience of a of a fighting uh, wrestling ring tournament, a death match between two Gomorians.
1: Yeah, and we got to see what those Gamorrean blades do
0: yeah. in God when they hit cool. each other.
1: That was really cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, this also to me felt like a Knights of the Old Republic reference because there's also uh death battles in that game that you can participate in. So <laughs>
2: um
0: <laughs> anyway, so so he goes there and uh and meets up with, with Gore Koresh. And um because Gore supposedly knows how to find some of the other Mandalorians, so Din can connect with them and kind of navigate through the other coverts as he's trying to find um, the 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 species that the child is and bring them bring him back to to them.
4: Can I ask a quick question on on that? Because I uh, casting wise, were you guys like I totally thought that was Favreau. No, like it, it really did. sounded like John yeah. Favreau and, and he's had
0: so many, you know, voice so roles and stuff. I, I, so. had to, I had to look him up. He, um, mm-hmm. of course, what I ended up relating to him, he's the voice of Sid in Ice Age. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's that guy. Yeah, I, like I didn't recognize him yeah, like at all. all. That was and yeah, somehow yeah. somehow Rick
3: John
4: Leguizamo's Gillespie. career like survived the Mario Brothers movie they made. <laughs> you know, which
0: like, I think me and five people remember seeing. Uh, you know, oh, oh, I think Horses. You might oh, have the whole five of them range. I, here. I <laughs> loved that movie as a kid because I loved Mario and Luigi, even though it was terrible. Dennis Hopper,
4: like, oh my gosh, that was such a great. Oh, uh, we should, uh, I'll get secrets of movies and TV shows. I'll recommend that to Tom. Um, no, but, uh, but yeah, what, what a great, what a great character though mm-hmm. you know what's it, is it abyssin is that right it's like the cyclops looking guy yeah. i think we saw him in the cantina or yep. something but that's yep. one of those like b-roll or, or like the characters john Fabro talked about so much like we want to bring those guys out
0: you know Yep. and uh i just thought that was a cool cool one to use <laughs> and it it worked um you know yeah. yeah they uh they have this this dialogue about about gambling and uh i mean ultimately gorkorash is is playing din he 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 wants his beskar armor because it's 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 valuable and um isn't going to tell din the information that he wants unless
3: he's going to fork over his his armor i have to say i like i i love the subtlety with which this episode is written around the armor being valuable because you don't ca- i mean we all know the the armor's valuable right but just to remind everybody how you know, what someone's Mm -hmm. willing to do for this armor and to start off the episode with that scene and then lead into the whole thing with Cobb Vanth having this other set of armor and why it's important to Mando, not because it's valuable, but because it's priceless. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's that, that small difference, but very important difference between the two. Yeah. And, and with the fight scene that very quickly
0: comes about it, it, I mean, it, it, it's, it really protects you and like (laughs) i put in my notes like these these thugs should not punch mando because like (laughs) i mean (laughs) it looked like it just hurt
4: like don't they know but like isn't that why they brought him there Like, (laughs) like to get this stuff and they're like wait this is this is
3: tough stuff like just goes to goes to show you how tough Cara Dune is too, because Cara Dune got in a oh, yeah. fist fight with him, and it did not hurt her. No, <laughs> it didn't. I about yeah,
0: um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Mando also uses his whistling birds, and mm-hmm. for for being as some would call it the Baby Yoda show, Baby Yoda wasn't quite as prominent in this in this particular episode. So I kind of was making note of of all the the cuteness factors of of the child as i could so um the whole uh, when when din uh kind of arms his whistling birds and and the child ducks away in his pod was was just was awesome <laughs> yeah. so they they get into a fight and of course uh Jarn is going to just totally uh destroy all of them and and you know win the day um, ultimately Gore gives him, uh, the information that he's, he's looking for that he knows of a Mandalorian on Tatooine in the city of, of Mos Pelgo. We had a, a really interesting comment by, um, Gore at that point. He, he's trying to convince, uh, Din that his information is correct. And he says, I swear it by the Gatra. Did you guys notice that at all?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I had to look it up and it is an obscure reference to like the droid mafia that are like gonna like um potentially rise up and destroy all inferior bio matter uh life forms mm-hmm. throughout the galaxy. I wanna say it was it's in one of the novels. Now I'm blanking on it.
1: Makes you wonder why well, no, I don't know the reference, but it makes you wonder why John Favreau put that in there.
0: Right. Like it right. is
1: so obscure and also How does that tie into this particular period in Star Wars history
0: Mm -hmm.
1: or in this character too?
0: There's a lot of things with droids that happen, but there's not there's not kind of the undercurrent of the the, the Gatras as as, uh, so. I I don't I think it was probably just a one off comment, but it was kind of one of those things that I I looked
3: at it and was like, I need to look this up. I don't know But as much as they played with droids last season and. You know, what a droid is and whether it can be reprogrammed. That could be a the running theme mm. throughout this. You know, it's it's still inside of Den's uh character not to like them. So having him run up against the epitome of why he would not like them is mm-hmm. probably a pretty interesting storyline. We'll see if that pans out because um I mean as as the episode shows, he's softened
0: quite a bit towards towards droids. Mm-hmm. Um, so Din, uh, leaves Gore hanging to his death and, uh, heads off to, to Tatooine. That creeped me out, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) that is like,
1: As soon as you said,
4: you will not die by my hand, I'm like, oh, that's not, mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: that was obvious. Yeah, Mando's not a softie, uh, after season one. (laughs) In fact, it wasn't until I, I watched it the second time that I realized that all the, all the animals were coming in for the kill when i first saw it i I just thought that he just left him there in the dark and just walked away which is maybe less gruesome than what actually happened but um so they head off to tatooine and head to moss eisley and we see pelly i was very excited to see her again oh yeah yeah you know the,
4: the guys on um I think it was on uh, something I was reading online or or maybe an episode of uh, Rebel Force Radio or something. Uh, Somebody made a really good point. I think it was a guest I heard on some show that she really and he was talking from season one. So I really noticed that this time around um, she really does. Amy Sedaris like really seems to kind of embrace that kind of late 70s sitcom, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) kind of character. Like, I don't know if she did that deliberately, like pulling from like, okay, when did Star Wars come out and what kind of you know, character would it make sense to be there at this time. And, uh, they said she even looks like Ripley a little bit from, um, yes. alien like that uh, kind yes. of style. I very and much I just thought that's that. a really, like, I hadn't noticed that at first, but I thought that's dead on. I think she's just great. Like you can see her on like taxi or something or, you know, <laughs> like just like late seventies, early eighties. And I just, yeah, I, I, her character is really charming
3: to me. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I think it's very that intentional. Almost, yeah. That, that almost it. sitcom you know. feel
3: to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It kind of gives us that sense that we're on Tatooine, like the familiarity yeah. feeling,
4: right? And she feels about Baby Yoda what everybody does, right? That's <laughs> yeah. that's where I was going to go. She she vocalized. Yeah, if they never
2: find yeah. If if they never find his home, like, and and you know Mando, you know bites the dust. Uh, I would be very you know happy if she just took care of him for. The rest the rest of his days, the rest of her days. Because he'll probably all over. Right? I,
0: I loved oh, her yeah. line of you know, she picks up she picks up baby Yoda and she goes, How much do you want for this thing? Just kidding. But not Fair. really. And like <laughs> Yeah, that, that that's me. I'm not kidding when I would I would pay for In fact there's there's one on my shelf behind me. So well, I was done. I showed I uh, Thomas and Andrew didn't
4: see my uh the, the Walmart baby Yoda wanted poster t shirt. Oh, nice. You know, so nice. yeah. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, we all have them showing up somewhere.
4: <laughs> oh,
0: <wow>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so she she's great. I I really hope she continues to to show up uh, in this in this show. She she gives Mando uh, the information about Mos Pelgo and mentions that the it was a settlement that was completely wiped out by bandits and um oh but and and she pulls out and an, the R five unit. Uh, to show yes. them where it was. I was
1: gonna say, let's go back to that. Yeah. It's R5. <laughs> yeah. I
3: I've, I I've started now, and because of having watched Gallery, I've started looking for all of the little references mm-hmm. as they're going through. Like, oh, there's the there's the ice cream canister. There's mm-hmm. the the speeder bike from Luke's garage. You know, just all that little <laughs> stuff as it goes through. So I, I love seeing that like come to life in this one.
1: Mm-hmm. R five still has that scorch yep. mark from his yep. little incident. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And Peli's not exactly uh patient with him either. But
1: no. <laughs> and I was wondering, do we I mean, do we know what a motivator is? Like because a motiv- R R5 was supposed to have a bad motivator, right? right? So uh does that does that indicate maybe that he's slow or you you know, a, like on know like motivation a, on a human level he's oh, just oh yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah
0: um and definitely guys if i miss some of those random easter eggs throw them out there because i there's it's like a treasure hunt in each of these episodes <laughs> it really is yeah. uh, which is which is super cool um so so r5 shows them the the map of tatooine and and uh din takes uh, the speeder bike that he used in last season uh to take it mm-hmm. to take it out to to pelgo along the way uh we we this this is sort of foreshadowing but he he stops and camps with Tuscan Raiders and is and is communicating with them and so you know that's that's he's fluent in in whatever language the Tuscan Raiders speak in the sign language so that <laughs> comes into play yeah <laughs> comes into play very much so uh later on in the episode and again, I think that's like this. That that's again a callback to the to the forgotten characters of a New Hope, mm-hmm. you know, that are being prominent roles in in this show, which
2: again yeah. is just cool. Yeah, to backtrack a little bit, um, uh, it, there was a callback. Well, it reminded me of uh, well, obviously, there's a lot of connections. Father, you would like this to Attack of the Clones in this episode, <laughs> obviously, um, but. uh you know, the, the whole Pelgo not like you know, showing up on a map and not you know, but you know, trust me it's there it kinda reminded me of when Obi Wan was, was oh, looking for Camino.
0: Yeah. Kind
2: of he was kind of in the same situation. Um so
0: yeah, and I you expect your that baby that.
2: Yoda
4: could chime in with, like, lost, lost a city you have. <laughs> <laughs> like he's not speaking yet, though. You no. <laughs> <No. laughs> he, assume he
2: will sound like that. <laughs>
1: um.
2: Oh, yeah. His, his first words are going to be a big deal if, if oh we ever okay. get to hear it. Mando. Yeah, that's- <laughs> <laughs> Instead of daddy, yeah. daddy or mommy, it's yeah. Mando. Yeah.
0: Using using that, he he does get to to Mos Pelgo and it is this kind of uh, old kind of small settlement. He stops in the the local cantina and asks the the bartender um, where he can find another Mandalorian and has to say it's someone who who looks like me.
3: <laughs> that was, and that that, oh, that oh, in, interchange was so awesome. There's there's a guy in full makeup and a guy in a mask. Like you can't even <laughs> see their faces. But you can man, the sarcasm <laughs> it was just, just you could look. feel like, it. Oh my gosh. It's
1: well, just like, and-
3: You mean the sheriff?
4: <laughs> <laughs> you know, under <laughs> the marshal. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> and also um just, you know, w- the music really added to mm. um, Mando coming into the town because yeah. it was very old West when he was on the speeder bike. But then once he got into actual Mos Pelgo, it, um, I don't know if you noticed that it changed to just uh, the acoustic guitar. Yeah, Very old West. Yeah. yeah. And then he walks, like he's standing right there in the entrance of the cantina yep. and you can... You can hear, like, oh, spurs man. on his boots. Yep. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, then he walks in and here's this weak way who I always yeah. thought they kind of look like a medicine man, like with yeah. the long braids and everything, you know. Yep. So it was very, very old west. All those
4: little details. When I just thought the speed going so slow. Mm-hmm, was just mm-hmm. a cool yeah. little like he's riding just like, like riding in. the horse yeah. slowly into town, you know, and Everybody's like how many movies at have him. you seen that, yeah. right? Like, you yeah, know,
0: coming know. out looking at the stranger. <laughs> that whole I mean, and even the, the, the way that the scene plays out. Uh yes. he he uh talks with with uh Cobb Vanth and, um he he drinks Spotchka, which again a callback to to season one. I was surprised that that's on Tatooine of all places, but it it is. Um, but but then they they start to well, okay. So I had to put I put in my notes. Cobb takes off his helmet first of all, so you immediately mm-hmm. know like this is not well. Not Boba Fett way. would have too, though. <laughs> I I feel like right because Jango Fett did,
4: so right. But, but we still don't have. We still don't know about this no helmet thing because, like, Sabine took hers
0: off all the time, and, right? You know. Yeah, yeah. So it's still it's Boba still Fett
3: it. never did take his off, but that was that's kind of we just yep. never saw that. But I, I'm not sure that he would. He he prized his anonymity, at least l- legends wise. He he prized his As anonymity. An adult. Yeah. Yeah. But it's
4: weird because there is this this mythos. Oh, sorry, father. No,
3: I, well, I was just going to
0: say Boba Fett may maybe didn't take his off for the reason of anonymity rather than because he's part of that, right. that group of right. Mandalorians. It just does seem like such a, a
4: baseline, like core thing to this, this series, you know, mm-hmm. that there's like this, this religious, you know, like mm-hmm. I would rather die than take the helmet off thing. And it's just like, it. they have to eventually kind of explain that I feel like a little more because it's. That's just not anywhere else that we've seen, you know, Mm -hmm. like that kind of like that creedal. And they don't talk about it just like it's just their clan or something Mm -hmm. like it's like Mandalorians, you know, across the board. And it's like, I don't don't know, like this is contemporaneous or just a little bit after, you know, rebels and Sabine's taking hers off all the time and all the other Mandalorians
0: you see in rebels are doing it. Well, you know, so in fact, I mean, the the final scene of rebels takes place after Return of the Jedi, which would be somewhat concurrent with this time frame, right? And she right. had her helmet yeah. off
4: in that too. So And he hasn't taken his off in like twenty years, you know, or
0: something. So it's well he, yeah, he does when weird... he does when he's alone, because he did it on that, oh, on
4: right, the, right. you know. Mm,
3: yeah, right, but not in front of anyone right. else kind yep. of thing. Yeah. Yep. So it, yep. it, I'm I'm also intrigued here because he has obviously spent quite a deal of time on tattooing. He knows the Tuscan yeah. language. He mentioned the fact that he's never heard of Mospelgo. Um and even though he should have because he spent time here. And so I'm wondering like where in his timeline that fits in and and mm. what he was doing on tattooing. So that's a whole nother set of mm. things mm.
2: that just opened up for us to go, oh, okay, wait, hold on. There's oh, a lot more story here. He totally <laughs> oh comes gosh. off as like a as like a typical drifter that like, uh-huh. so you see in a western, yeah. like a guy that, you know, probably had a troubled past and left left wherever you know, he was from to get away from some sort of trouble or, or to start a new life and just somehow found Tatooine and, and made friends with a bartender and <laughs> the, the rest <laughs> was history. Um, oh my gosh,
4: you guys, you, you could totally have, you could totally have him somehow make a passing guest appearance in the Kenobi show. As long as Obi-Wan doesn't do any force stuff in front of him.
3: Ah. You know what I mean? Cause, Cause he
4: doesn't know about Jedi, but like right, if he's right. on Tatooine like 10 years ago kind of thing. Like oh yeah. man that'd be so cool. Anyway, thats just I just thought of that. Yeah, there's all sorts of of
0: potential there. Huh. Yeah, going back to, to the to the cantina there, uh, Cobb and Din have have the the, the western face off, which <laughs> added to that whole western theme of, um, you know, they <laughs> Amanda wants the the armor and Cobb doesn't want to give it. Um, and so they just assume that one of them is going to kill the other in the in the cantina, just as they're about to. I mean, even like the the cinematography was like they they just they show Cobb's hand like kind of around, um, near his, his blaster and mm-hmm. the the close up face shot of both of them. And um, this town's not big enough for the two of us, <laughs> right? <laughs>
3: he's like you want to do this in front of the kid
1: <laughs> right like, he's like yeah, a... <laughs> i
3: called that line too i was like yes this is the next line he's the only like thing like walker say at that texas point. ranger <laughs> oh my gosh yes <laughs> but they are and and then the noise right right the, the rumbling and the the, the call the <laughs> i loved that i was like Oh my gosh, it's a great dragon. And my, you know, all my my kids don't, they haven't played as much Star Wars as I have. So they're all like, what? And my wife is not as into it as I am. So they're all like, what? And I'm like, it's a
0: great dragon. <laughs> I was like, yeah.
4: <laughs> See, I, I knew the great dragon from the uh, the Star Wars customizable card game.
1: Uh, I was like middle, yeah. I was like middle uh-huh. school. And it was like, oh, you wow. know, this cool
4: thing you never saw in the movies, but like, oh wow, that's kind of, and it didn't look exactly like that in this, but they kept some of, I guess I think Ralph McQuarrie had probably done some concept art. I think I heard somewhere that they incorporated a little bit, but yeah, yeah, yeah. There's bones of it uh, in yeah, the original
1: series. On the bones. that's
0: right. Um, I, I got a couple things to throw in there. First of all, you mentioned the card game, and so one of the, one of the other Easter eggs here is that um, in A New Hope, when Obi Wan rescues Luke from the from the Tusken Raiders, he makes a crate dragon howl
1: sound yeah
0: um that's one of the cards in the trading card game is oh it, that's right so, yeah, that was a
4: yeah, yeah. Was a howl yep because it's that's not right. explained
0: in the movie at all it's just he no. <laughs> like, <laughs> no um so 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 yeah so that that was that's a really cool uh callback there because that i mean it explains why the tusken raiders were so scared and ran off from just yeah. a, a simple noise that obi-wan makes the other thing, Thomas, I'm impressed that you knew knew what that was because I <laughs> it it took me a little bit. I was I was watching it with my dad and we we're
3: like sandstorm, like what's, that's what, what I was wondering. What's what's first, yeah, it's um, that howl, man. They make that howl right at the yep. beginning. I'm like, oh, that's I recognize that. <laughs> I know what that is. <laughs> so, so yeah, it took me a little bit to figure it out.
0: But <laughs> and like the way that it moves through the the sand was just again, it the jaws yeah. sort of feel like it just moves like it's water, which was really cool how they animated that or or showed that it was well that that reminded me a little of um uh there was
4: a there was one mission in um jedi academy the one like xbox game where you go to this like sand planet and i forget which one it was but, but like you have to jump to these different things because and, and at the time i'm like this is like scanners you know or or um or you know, like tremors Dune, or tre- oh, tremors yeah, and, you know, tremors um that's yeah, kind yeah tremors and uh what was he or even like like um dune a little bit you know yeah, maybe? Or, you know so but yeah this was that's like yeah like i don't i don't want to go to tattoo <laughs> like like
0: i'm i'm done sarlax this thing like i'm good or just just stay in moss isley just like like Pele. Right. Yeah, it's just stay where it's yeah, safe. It's, that's where they that's why they, those guys go there. Um. So so this uh, crate dragon has been um, eating some of their their pack animals and and everything. So Cobb figures out that uh, he and he and Mando don't have to kill each other, but they can work out some sort of agreement. And so they agree that if Din helps them kill the crate dragon, then Cobb will will give up uh, the armor which I totally knew that that was coming like that's that then that's that's the plot of the episode right there um but they can't just blow it out of the sky and so of course they have to they have to go through uh the whole process that they end up going through so they go off to to find the the dragon's lair um and call back to episode 1 cobb's speeder Looks, Sebulba's It's it's the leftover
2: engine from. It's not Sebulba's. One yeah. of pod racers, it's Anakin's. It's a pod racer. Yeah. It's no, isn't so is it? Yeah, is it? looks like bigger. Like kind of like a piece of. Uh, uh, it kind of looked like a pod racer to me. Just that one. Yeah. yeah but but like Thomas, that. pull
0: pull up images of
3: Sebulba's and Anakin's it it, yeah.
0: it it looks All like
3: right.
0: it looks like <laughs> so anakin. we had
1: this
3: discussion at my house too and i was on the i was on the anakin page i was on like that's Anakin's speeder, then they're like no but it's the sevolas because of the color and i'm like but it doesn't I think i, he, I, I think he just painted it, it. the i yeah.
2: thought of anakin's yeah that's, uh, that's but it's also
3: like missing two of the the like fins or whatever right um yeah right and i, I like that he's like he's sit set off to the side yep. of it I, yeah. I was like that was just so <laughs> cool like, like side the whole car. thing was just so cool i'm like that's my speeder bike if i was gonna have a speeder bike that's <laughs> mm-hmm. the one i want right
4: there <laughs> well the thing probably still runs pretty well right i mean it's like, like 40 yeah. years old but it's
0: uh <laughs> it's it's pretty solid yeah yeah so that that was that was really cool that that popped up on the screen and it's like oh dad 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 that's pod racer oh uh, um, so then during the the ride we get we they they fill in cobb's backstory uh which is is more or less that uh he he was living in in mos pelgo uh when the 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 second star destroyer was destroyed and then immediately after that the there was a power vacuum the the mining collective who are really unknown to to us or to any any star wars lore but the mining collective are these these group of I guess you you would call them slavers. Almost they they came into to Pelgo and took over and turned Mas Pelgo into a slave camp. Cobb escapes and he escapes into into the desert and he uh, manages to grab a Camtono from the invaders, which was again a callback <laughs> and uh, yay <laughs> ice
1: cream maker <laughs>
0: <laughs> on Tatooine and it's gonna melt.
1: <laughs> also looked up. Um, he said it had silicax crystals in it. Yep. And I guess that was in Aftermath as well, Oh, that okay. um, that that was a mineral that is mined on Tatooine, on Tatooine and that Cobb Banth uh, didn't like the miners.
4: Well, and this actually, it, it reminds me a little bit of the, um, you know, w- when they started doing all the press and, s- and releasing some info about the sequel trilogy when they were first kind of being announced the the concept like I did, in some interview I heard J J Abrams initially said that part of the the mentality was like imagine if like enough of of you know the kind of Nazi leadership got away at the end of World War Two and were able to actually reconsolidate and kind mm-hmm. of come back, you know, mm-hmm. and the idea of, of of like, you know, we all leave Return of the Jedi, just sort of assuming like, hey, it's all one and everything's good, but it's a big galaxy. Mm-hmm. And so right. I think it's neat. Like th- they had said that Mandalorian will progressively give us little things that kind of help fill in that, like how the First Order rises. But even within that, you know, like the idea of just because the Empire, you know, gets kicked off Tatooine mm-hmm. doesn't mean everything's fine now, you know, and that happens, you know, in the real world too, yeah. you know, that vacuum. So I thought that was actually kind of a neat
0: little thing to put in there. This is still I think quite a bit too early for the first order, but this would be in the realm of the the new republic trying to establish itself as the new the new government in the galaxy and mm-hmm. and Tatooine is just so far in the outer rim and removed from everything that that they yeah, they they really have no power to help anything in on Tatooine, which yeah, totally allows these the mining uh, collective to come in and just just take over.
3: Well, you have to remember too that it's th- the only reason the Empire was there was to keep the huts from spreading, like the the gangster <laughs> organizations that were on Tatooine from spreading off of the planet. So they were really just there to keep all of that uh, under wraps. So once they're gone, all of that corruption just Goes back to being rampant all over yep. the, the planet again. Yep. So, so in the midst of
0: that, Cobb escapes and wanders in the desert for days, and he's rescued by Jawas uh, and uh, trades his the silicax crystals for the suit of armor, the the Boba Fett armor that he sees in the in the in the Jawas uh, uh, vehicle. Which begs the question. I mean, I th- I want to say also in one of the interludes in the aftermath book. Um I think one of them is the Jawa's finding the armor or there's something to do with the armor in one of those interludes but uh it does beg the question of and we sort of have an answer but we don't really have an answer of how Boba Fett would have escaped and why he would have lost his armor though well, cause that's not, not to get ahead of ourselves too much,
4: but like we, we see a, a pretty dramatic Mandalorian escape from a somewhat similar situation Correct. later on, Correct. but he comes out with his armor on. So, right. It's so like,
1: that's, uh,
0: yeah. One of the questions. Yeah. yeah um, there's probably a story there. There's always a story. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so,
0: so Cobb uh, gets the, gets the armor and comes back to Mospelgo and completely wipes out the mining collective agents. And, uses his rocket launcher to take out their ship which was so cool to see
2: (laughs) which was totally the same shot from iron man yes (laughs) that that favreau obviously directed where iron man shoots the missile and walks away you know it was just missing the walking away (laughs) like a badass but um, awesome it was totally shot the same way yeah
0: that yeah makes perfect sense with john favreau um, back to the the present. Uh, Din and Cobb arrive in kind of this this canyon, and they are uh sort of ambushed by these wild creature looking things, which end up being more or less guard dogs for the Tuscan Raiders. Um, and and Mando Massifs. Uh, what was Mass- that, Angela?
1: I don't know how it's pronounced, but I massive. Yeah. M a s s i f
3: yep and there they appeared in uh in clone wars as well one of them was sent mm-hmm. after yes. ahsoka tano to hunt her down after did she they had they been accused in the of camp
4: in attack of the clones did they have some of them around the camp the tuscan mm-hmm. camp i don't know i i couldn't remember i i thought so but i, I didn't get a chance to go it back It felt and look. very
1: familiar in live action so okay. i was wondering the same thing yeah. i'll look it up quick well yeah
3: I thought it was really interesting to see them live action because it's very different than it, well, I mean I, anything coming over from the Clone Wars, you know, which is very stylized, and then seeing it in, in this more live action setting was really cool. But they they look really awesome, and uh, I love I love that interaction, where, and I love that I love that uh, the Mandalorian just lets everybody kind of like sweat a little bit around the Tusken <laughs> Raiders before he actually starts interacting with them. Well and then he like uh with, with the, the massive he he's
0: he's like petting it and like it's like it's like a dog. <laughs> Menacing, yeah, right. but but then but then once he he becomes friends with it, it's 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 totally cool. He he then communicates with uh the Tuscan raiders and determines that they also want to kill the the crate dragon. And so then they go back to the to the Tuscan camp and try to figure out a plan to to take out this crate dragon. And we We see some tension between Cobb and the tuscan raiders and and it's sort of it's revealed of course that that the Tuscan raiders kind of raided the 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 village and the the people and Cobb has killed a number of the tuscan raiders and um of course we we have comments of Cobb calling them monsters and you know they're unable to change and and so we've we've got a bit of that tension going on and 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 this this episode and even um even last season, when we encountered the Tuscan Raiders, I think it does a, a an awesome job of of uh, humanizing them, I guess for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. Uh, yeah, it you definitely know, does. Uh, in in a New Hope, they're just they're just you yeah. know yeah the, the the raiders and the the bandits, but here here you get a little bit more personality to them and
2: uh, motivation. It's kind of like you know the Mandalorian. We we obviously. Uh, Compare it to westerns. It's it's like the modern western compared to the classic westerns where yeah Tuscan Raiders are played. Obviously George George Lucas at the time just played them off as like the Native American stereotype. Uh, you know that westerns would play like you know like just the bandits and um uh in modern westerns though you, they're much more nuanced um and they're you know they they uh they have more. Sort of, you know, application to the story rather than just, you know, playing a stereotypical more part role along the journey. Um, yeah, just just that that one role. So, so yeah, I definitely agree that yeah, it's nice to see them much more fleshed out.
1: Um, this whole series really deals with the theme of trusting, and especially trusting a stranger. I think, mm-hmm. um, and in westerns, you really got that a lot of times when like the Native Americans sort of had, you know, some secret knowledge about nature or whatever that the cowboys really needed to, you know, accomplish their mission or save the town or whatever. Um, And so you see that playing out here. But I found it um, this is probably like my my favorite moment, um, when, when Mando actually says, if we fight amongst ourselves, the monster will kill us all. Um, because, you know, he said that and then I was like, I just said out loud, like, wow, that's so philosophical Mm -hmm. and so true Uh, Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, how many situations can we apply that to in, in human life? Um, Mm -hmm. so, uh, just the, yeah, the concept of, um, trusting a stranger, trusting the other what is alien to us? Um, this whole series does a very good job of, but this particular episode was uh, focused on that. I think. Well,
4: and of course the, the what are they fighting? But a giant dragon, mm, You right. know, So like that's the theology <laughs> well, of that wasn't lost on me, right? You know, and what I like too is it wasn't it wasn't just though like for them to just come across and be like, well, really the Tuscans are are perfectly just fine and they've just been misunderstood. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's like no, they're like his little speech he gives like they're raiders it's true they're killer like he's basically going down like look they're not perfect they have to mm-hmm. change too like we all have to change like we all have to work together and i thought that's a good theme too where it's you know uh, like learning to kind of bridge that gap both of you you know mm-hmm. like my mom whenever my brother and i would fight and i'd try to say it was his fault she'd say takes two to tango yeah. mm-hmm. you know which i got so sick of hearing but i think i just <laughs> said it the other day
0: to, to oh Noel, yeah you no know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's funny how those things come back to haunt you. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> man. Uh, but that's also, I mean, just if you kind of take it on a on a spiritual level, like what is demonic is meant to tear apart. Um mm-hmm. you know, and and so uh to to cause division and disunity and and um all of that is is very uh demonic and um contrary to what we're called to to do as as Christians and and you know, if you if you're fighting amongst ourselves, we're going to we're going to lose the war in fighting the dragon uh, Satan. Right. Uh, if you will. So. So, yeah, I think uh, that that was a that was a good point. But and and also but yeah, that that there's there's fault on both sides no, you know, Mm -hmm. all of humanity. I mean, we can look at one another and yet just because I think a certain way doesn't mean that, that I'm better than you or that I'm perfect and you're not. And, and, you know, we have to, we have to look for those things that unite us and, and not let, let the others, uh, cause division and, and, uh, cause us to, to lose our focus.
1: One of the great things that I guess we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit as we, um, connect all these things, but, uh, Mando is is very much uh I would say a reconciler in that mm-hmm. when he's giving that little speech he actually wrote down he says they are brutal but so is the dune sea and they've survived thousands mm-hmm. of years in the sands and they know this great dragon better than any of us here so he's he's acknowledging the truth of what the people dislike and yes you know they're uh, the that low point but also the fact that you know that quality has enabled their people to live so long so um to be able to sort of reconcile both um both realities you know kind of the things we don't like about people but also you know that could be a strength in in certain situations mm-hmm. um and so uh yeah blessed are the peacemakers <laughs> that's mm-hmm. really it's not just about um you know, resolving conflict, but it's about I think reconciling, as as you were saying. You know, building yeah. those bridges.
0: Right. Well, and, and I think yeah. they 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 subtly point out that too in the ways that like Cobb and and the other villagers just try to call them monsters and label them as as that kind of mm-hmm. an evil versus seeing the again i don't the the humanity behind the 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 tuscan raiders they're they're not human but but you know what i mean the 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 person behind Mm -hmm. uh the mask um but but on both sides the 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 tuscan raiders have to do the same thing with the with the villagers as well so yeah mando's playing a bit of a christ-like role in in all of this
2: it's very it was also reminiscent of uh scene in indiana jones where where willie is insulting the the like her host and in indiana is like translating um and yeah. uh, it's the that line and and that, and mando kind of says a line similar it's that famous line where he's like uh you're you're insulting them and you're embarrassing me you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, i think i think uh, Fabro was totally doing a callback to that scene mm. uh, uh during that whole uh skirmish thankfully they get through it because that's what's gonna gonna help them in
0: in the the battle to come which is uh quickly approaching um but first they have to they have to go check out the the crate dragon's lair and so we we see kind of what the tuscan raiders typically do is they typically put a bantha close to the entrance and and wake up the the crate dragon in order it, it sort of felt like (laughs) like you know offering your sacrifice to the gods so that they would be (laughs) kind of like the pagans sort of thing but but they they would put the bantha there in order to uh get the crate dragon to eat the bantha so that it would sleep longer and leave them alone um this particular time doesn't kind of pan out the same the same way (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) Poor guy. Uh, <laughs> they do wake the crate dragon, but it doesn't go for the bantha. Apparently, uh, the Tuscan Raider smelled uh, smelled more delicious. I love his line though when, when he says to Cobb bantha. Just, he just pauses for
4: like the perfect amount of time, just like they might be open to other ideas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, <laughs> just like very calm. Like that didn't work. And so so they they kind of go back to to camp and and try to figure out uh, how exactly to to slay the dragon and. They come to the realization that this great dragon is huge, and that they they need more help. And so, Din just just volunteer volunteers the whole village that
3: <laughs> uh, they're they're going to help in this fight. Is is this where they mention the fact that this is the 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 great dragon, uh, ate the Oh, Sarlacc I may have missed that yes. in there, yeah, because yeah. that was like <laughs> abandoned <Sarlacc pit laughs> thing? Yep. You yep. don't see an abandoned Sarlacc pit, yeah. That's <laughs> you do when you eat the sarlac. That's <laughs> that's <is> terrifying. <laughs> like just the, these two huge things and. Every single one of these people is just this tiny little insect compared to them. Right? Yep. Well, it reminded me a little bit of you remember
4: the very calm and collected, you know, Liam Neeson as a as Qui
0: Gon. You know, line. There's always a bigger fish. There's mm-hmm. always a bigger fish. This <laughs> <laughs> something that came to mind. But I. But it also made me wonder then if this. I mean, all the all the pieces are there. But but do you guys think that this is the same Sarlek pit that Boba Fett fell into in that Return of the Jedi? Kind of had their that scene on because it could be, but they also yeah, mentioned the terrain, that- terrain yeah. looks yeah. different. It does,
4: yeah. And isn't it like, is it canon or not that the the Sarlacc, that one was kind of killed or blown up or whatever by Jabba's sail barge? I, I don't remember. I don't know uh, I don't if know. that's in a book or anything. anything. Yeah.
3: yeah. I, I don't think we do. I, in Legends, it wasn't. In Legends, uh, the the sail barge was far enough away mm-hmm. and Mando had, or Mando, uh, Boba had to actually shoot his way out of the, the Sarlacc. Yep. Okay. So. By the way, I just found a
4: a, a Sarlacc pit like baby pillow. I feel like, <laughs> yeah. an, I feel like that's oh inappropriate. It's, it, it's, I'll send it to you guys later. It's uh It doesn't look like it's a good idea. <laughs> Not exactly something
0: that I would find comforting. No, to oh man! Next to you. that was a nice find. No, anyways. uh... <laughs> back to uh, back to Pelago. Cobb has to convince uh, the village that they have to band together to, and they, and I loved it.
3: He said, Slay the Leviathan, uh, yeah. the, the biblical <laughs> monster.
1: Yeah. Um, is who yeah. they're fighting.
3: I'll tell you, Tim- Timothy Oliphant knows Westerns and. Yeah he just he can fall right into it and that that is that classic old western you know you've got the the nice the the guy with the the the, the golden tongue who can just roll these uh, very <laughs> biblical references off just like that in the middle of a speech so uh, and he does it so well that slight mm-hmm. twang just enough class to pull off the kind of martial position
1: so yeah. definitely. i love well how done on he in- he included um you know how he was explaining how the the monster could you know eat everybody and and so help us the school you know like yeah. it was very that just the way that he really delivered that and then it's like, oh no, the school, the children you know that was such yep. a an old west thing to you know got to protect the kids
0: and ultimately that's that's one of the reasons why they why they joined forces with the Tuscan raiders, but also because din had made a a deal with the Tuscan raiders that if they Defeat the crate dragon, the Tuscan Raiders will leave them alone um, and leave them in peace, unless one of the town people mm. breaks that that particular piece. Um, the Tuscan Raiders also get all the the crate dragon, the the carcass, and the ichor, uh, mm. which um, I had to sort of again look up, but but I think that that was a reference to the venomous um, mm-hmm. liquid that it spews out of its mouth. Ichor mm. is like the lifeblood from like the kind of in greek mythology the lifeblood of a of a animal or a person so the the town people prepare for battle and they load up um a bunch of banthas with explosives and i could totally relate to cobb so one of one of the tuscan raiders drops the (laughs) the explosive and it doesn't go off but there's there's quite a bit of tension and cobb has to like jump in and like tell, tell the village person to, to kind of back off and work together. And then, and then he has this line where he looks at Mandu and he just kind of says, oh, it's going to be great. Like trying to psych himself up. Like I have been in that position before. And I imagine you guys probably have to, especially with, uh, you, no, you
3: dads out church there. church
1: stuff? Are you kidding me? <laughs> church stuff, family stuff, you know.
3: Family stuff. Yeah. Like, it's going to be great. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: And can I just make a note about the music again? When the Tuscan readers came Mm. in riding on the Banthas, um, the theme was so beautiful and so genius because it was like mysterious. It was very Arabian sounding. um, So it gave you that sense of like uh, being foreign, um, but also had this nobility to it. um, A sense of like these people have history and, it was haunting at the same time. So it had all these different feelings. Um, and I just was so impressed by that um, and really added to, again, like that cinematic feeling that we got, that huge feeling that we got from um, the episode, I think, was a lot of the music.
0: Mm-hmm. I am in complete agreement. The music can, can really add so much uh, complexity and depth to, to a scene. They were also traveling single file. Which was
3: I just point that out because that yes. was that was also uh-huh. kind of a, a that was an Obi Wan thing. Yep. Yeah, he yep. says they always yeah. travel in single file to hide their numbers. Yep, but but Obi Wan, all to be fair, Obi Wan also mentions how accurate
0: stormtroopers are. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Only they are
4: so precise. Like, okay,
0: he was also referencing their their marks on a on a sandcrawler. Like that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's a big target. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: so the entire uh crew goes off to to the the dragon's lair again and they determine that it's sleeping and so they get to work and they bury explosives uh in front of the the cave opening and they're they're hoping to lure the dragon out and to blast it from beneath because the stomach is the weak point totally video game language there like
2: mm-hmm. know yeah. know where
0: the weak point is and <laughs> go for it and uh, of course i in my mind at this point is thinking of course something is not going to go right with this plan mm-hmm. and lo and behold it doesn't go it doesn't go as according to plan but sort of they they do wake the dragon and they do get the dragon to come out of the cave and they are able to antagonize it enough that it comes out farther and that's when it starts uh, spewing out that venom and it starts to to take out some of the the village people and the the tuscan the tuscan raiders um, and they do uh, detonate the explosives as the the crate dragon is above it, and that doesn't at all kill the the dragon at all. Uh, in <laughs> fact, of I don't I don't think it's dead. <laughs> right <laughs> just, well but then but then like, yep. like it comes out of the top of the cliff face like yeah. yeah
3: just and that's when that was the moment where we like everybody in my house looked at each other like wide-eyed going how fast can this thing move through the sand that's insane. the rocks. yep but, yeah. <laughs> yep
0: <laughs> Yeah, just just terrifying. So the <laughs> the great dragon appears up on the cliff face and we get to see Din and Cobb both use their jetpacks to join the fight, which was mm-hmm. super cool. <laughs> but they're they're going up there to try to draw the the dragon away from the the people that uh it's it's spewing out more of the venom and killing more people and so they they're trying to to draw it away from from them so they won't lose any more lives. Not that they have any clue how they're going to actually defeat and kill kill this thing and they they manage to uh they they land back in front of the cave and the the dragon has moved around and comes at them from behind again like it moved (laughs) super quick to get to get back there but it it did and so din finally gets a an idea on how he's going to attack this thing and has a has a brief conversation with with Cobb and tells Cobb that he has to take care of the child, <laughs> and then like knocks his jetpack and sends him away. And and Din holds on to this other bantha that he had seen that has still has explosives on it, and he has to to, to hold the bantha because it got loose from its from its peg. And uh, he uh, allows himself and the bantha both to get eaten by by the dragon. And of course, we we all know that he's not. He's not dead. I had a real Jack Sparrow kind of
4: Kraken type <laughs> flashback there. Like yeah. not not Star Wars universe per se for that, but that, yeah, that came to
2: mind for some reason. Yeah, it's totally obviously. Again, it's totally Jaws, right? With the yes. you know mm-hmm. him getting eaten and with the explosives, mm-hmm. uh, and then it's uh, again what we're talking about how fast the thing moves. It's uh, that's another thing like about Jaws. It's. Um, you don't see the the shark that much. I mean, we learned it was mostly because the the robotic shark that they had on set did not work, and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, so they, they just uh, used what, whatever they could. But uh, another thing is like it's 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 all about the mystery, right? It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's more effective to be like. Wow that I think that big can move that fast, and I wonder how it looks when it's moving that fast, you know so yeah it's very very uh very classic and effective filmmaking
0: it ends up being more of a psychological thriller uh din of course shoots his way out of the the, the mouth of the cray dragon, detonates the bombs which which blow up from the inside and take take him out, and he is covered in that that venom goop it's just kind of like just just all over him and, and, and the Baskar armor protected him from all of that. He, Mm -hmm. he totally, totally survived that. The, the scene, the scene kind of shifts to the Tusken Raiders harvesting all the
3: meat. Um, and they, they find the, the dragon Pearl, uh, which I have to say, my wife made a very Mm -hmm. astute observation about that. She's like, Oh, it's kind of like a clam where it gets a Mm -hmm. piece of sand in its mouth. And then, you know, makes Pearl. I was like, I had not even thought about that all (laughs) all this time. And I hadn't made that connection. It
0: totally makes makes sense when you think about it that way. Yeah. And the the episode ends with uh, Cobb handing over the armor to to Mando. And I loved how he he told Mando, he goes, tell your people I wasn't the one who broke that. (laughs) Right. Mm. Um, And then we see the beautiful uh, dual sun sunset as it pans over this mysterious figure who turns around and happens to be Tamara Morrison, who we just so assume quick. is, is yeah. Boba Fett, of course. <laughs> Did you guys notice he's totally, like, decked out with Tuscan stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Gaffy stick and the rifle and, you know. And he had, like, some scars and, and completely, I mean, bald and, and you know. When well, somebody pointed out this is the first time, I believe, a,
4: a major sort of... Like like feature Star Wars film, I guess actor or, or or character like this has kind of crossed over into at least into Mandalorian, mm-hmm. you know, which was just so cool. like that connection just made it so cool, and to have it be him, yeah, you know, um, you know, I, I'm still holding out hope that they slip him in as Rex though too, because yeah. he could, you know, but um, but yeah, just that it was so cool, you know, when he turns around,
1: <laughs> um, in our Facebook discussion group. Heath actually made a really good point and said that um, he is wearing a stolen outfit again. You know, obviously mm. he's not a Tuscan, mm. <laughs> but right. once again, Boba is wearing an outfit that is not his. Um, and he said, Heath, Heath observed that that was a reflection of Boba Fett's character, you know, that mm. he he's not... Um, he sort of per, he tries to slip into these other situations as another. He, he's never he never presents himself as himself. I thought that was interesting. what's cool.
4: What's cool about that for because for, we've talked a lot on our show about how they've explored the different ways the clones can work out. And mm-hmm. I, 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 this just hit me as you were saying that, Angela is like it's almost like his journey has taken him on this. It's like his his identity itself is kind of not really his own mm-hmm. in a weird kind of way, you know, like he grows up differently than them. Like he doesn't have the accelerated, you know, um, growth, you know, process that the rest of them had. And then he has all of his own experiences, but yeah, it's just a very interesting character to like he's, he's, you know, genetically the same as all like this massive army, you know, and his father who was killed and, and like all this kind of you know stuff that's made him who he is. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, he's, he's such a, just an interesting character what they've done with him. I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I'm amazed with what they've done with him when in the originals, I mean, you go to YouTube and it's like all Boba Fett scenes, you know, from like the OT and it's like, it's yeah. like five minutes yeah. of film or something. It's it not even that long. I don't, I don't I know. Sorry. it's four it's not much at all, you know, and then they go back and they edit over Tim Morrison's voice, you know, and the, the newer stuff so that he sounds right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so you don't even, yeah, it's totally
0: changed so much. Did you guys expect that we would have gotten Boba Fett this early in the se- in the season?
1: Well, I wasn't surprised. Once once I saw um where this episode was going at the beginning and I saw his armor at the beginning of this episode, I was like, "Oh, he's going to show up pretty fast." I just had mm. a feeling. Um especially with Jon Favreau writing and directing this episode, like, "Come on, like <laughs> it's going to be Boba Fett." pretty soon here either in this episode or or the next one. So, um honestly, I was not surprised at all to see tomorrow uh, Morrison, but um yeah, I I think that um as far as dev- seeing more like what is he doing and and what's going on with his story, um it, I I do think that they will at least give us uh, some more information, but it, I wouldn't be surprised if they come back, even even further down the line. You mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. to Tatooine again.
3: Right. Well, and and remember, he appeared in the first season, right at the very end of that one episode where right. there was the shadowy figure. Uh, watching the Mandalorian leave. And again, here, the same thing. Shadowy figure watching him leave. And we just happen to see his face this time as he turns around. So they really have a very long game planned with this uh, character and w- with the arc of uh, Din Djarin. And I don't think that we can feel like they need to rush anything, which is great yeah. because that means they're not trying to rush anything. And so these little breadcrumbs that they're throwing in everywhere are just breadcrumbs and they're going to stay that way for maybe another season. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it won't even be until next season that we get a full reveal of Boba Fett and an interaction with them.
0: Yeah. I think it, man, I think Come it, on, man. Uh, i not away that long. <laughs> <laughs> I think it worked well to introduce him this early on in the season. I, I wasn't expecting it. Episode one. Um, you know, but, but we all, the, the, the leaks and everything, we all, we all knew that he was coming. So the fact that it just, it's now already happened, you know, allows some of the other mysteries to kind of cultivate. I mean, things like we, we didn't at all see Grief Karga, Kara mm-hmm. or Moff mm-hmm. Gideon and the Darksaber. We didn't get anything on, on those fronts in this episode. And those are still going to be playing a role. And, and so there's still a lot of mystery that, that we're we're left to just kind of anticipate, and I'm, and and so I think I think it worked well. I'm I'm glad that that Boba Fett has now showed up, and um, I guess we can sort of like let that particular mystery kind of <laughs> let that let that go for now, as we're kind of then can turn to some of the others.
2: It could also, I mean, if if we're gonna, you know, compare it to the the series, um, the first episode of the series where Baby Yoda revealed at the end, yep. and Obviously, that was something that they kept really hush hush and did a great job of. And then, you know, Baby Yoda is like the is, is obviously a, a major character. Uh, it could, maybe Boba Fett or whoever he's playing, if it's a misdirect, is going to be a major character this season. Um, mm. But um, but as far as the reveal, yeah, I mean, they had to give us something, uh, you know, because it's it's the first episode, and and if we're gonna compare it to to season one, you know, it had to end with, with something like that. So I, I think they, even though we knew because of the, like you mentioned the leaks and stuff, um, it was, uh it was very effective. Well, it makes you wonder too, is, is he,
4: is Boba Fett looking for work? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> is, is he going to potentially get in the mix here to try to be one of these people that's trying to retrieve baby Yoda?
1: Mm.
2: You know, I mean, that would be,
4: a very interesting, you know, uh, in interference, right? You know, you know, in, into the plot we're following by someone who we're already very well aware of, and and now he has this like, you know, Mando has my armor too, you know. Like I don't know, he's he's got at least one reason to go after
1: him,
0: you know. And 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 I think there's there's a there's a I think there's a good possibility that they might go that way because if if Mando is trying to find the different coverts and the other Mandalorians. If Boba Fett is not authentically a Mandalorian, as is suggested in the Clone Wars, then he could very much be a antagonistic character versus one who would help Mando mm-hmm. in his journey.
1: Well, he's he was introduced to us as the number one bounty hunter, right? So, right, this is the number one bounty right here.
4: And you don't get the impression that Man, that that you know Din recognizes the armor specifically. I, I don't. I, some, there was some debate about that. I'm not sure. It look just looks to me like. It, it's this Mandalorian is like, armor. Right, yeah, right, right. You know? Um. But he is a bounty hunter, though. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know, like they say, um, was it uh, uh Werner Herzog's character says to him, you know, Grief Karga said, you're the best in the sector or something. So, it's you know, you get the impression Din's got a reputation, but not maybe as broad as Boba or maybe not overlapping with him. But he's also spent a lot of time on Tatooine, you know. So, yeah, it just seems like how could he not know who he is?
1: I suspect that he and this was this is what I was thinking, um, especially when we found out that, you know, he didn't have his armor anymore. um, Is that maybe when he got out of the Sarlacc somehow um, that he decided he was just going to um, create a new identity for himself uh, rather than, again, like being. The guy that he had chosen to be at that particular time, you know, the Mandalorian armor-wearing guy. Um, so, you know, we'll see.
4: It, it helps. It helps when you look like literally every single clone trooper who ever lived, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like, you know, uh, I'm just a former
0: clone trooper. You know? <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, not Boba Fett. I'm not Boba Fett. <laughs> I will say I would love to see a fight scene between Din and Boba Fett. Oh
4: yeah. The only thing I'm worried about with that is Tim Morrison is not like because I think Boba Fett in canon should be somewhere or somewhere around Din's age, maybe a little older. But but Tim's like in his early 60s, I think, or something at this point, or late 50s. It's okay, just put Brendan Wayne in that in that armor. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: He'd just shave his head. You have no idea how old he is. <laughs> like that.
4: I think, I think exactly. that's why they did it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I imagine they're the same age because Din Djarin was a child when the Clone Wars was happening and when he was rescued. Right. So that right. would put them roughly equivalent in age. And when they have, they follow some of those, uh, maybe you guys remember better than me, but when
4: Boba has some of those really awesome kind of subplots in Clone Wars, I, I think he's like 14, 15, something like that. Like maybe. Teens. He would have to have been. I always yeah. pictured yeah. him younger. Even, yeah. Because yeah. in Attack of, Attack of the Clones, he's only like... He's like, like 12 or 11 or something or so. Yeah,
0: that would be, they'd be around the same age. There's some pretty exciting possibilities. Yeah. I, I, I love Um, that. We are, you know, doing these, um, review episodes as they stream. And so like, so we don't Mm -hmm. know what's coming. And so we, we can Mm -hmm. sit in that kind of expectation and, and speculate and guess and, uh, and, and, and just enjoy, enjoy the enjoy the ride the next couple months. When I, when I saw, um,
4: when I saw Angela's text, cause we, we, for, you know, for those listening to this, like we inevitably start texting each other, you know, like in the group message and Angela, like how many, how many of you, like, I think we all sent texts to somebody that just said. Dude,
1: <laughs> no, yeah, it's just yeah, like, pretty much exactly like, that. So
0: like, I feel like eight eight weeks of that probably, yep. or some wow of it. <laughs> I think I sent the emoji with the the head exploding to like yes. So so no context for those like you know my friends that hadn't seen it yet. But like this this is what's going
3: on in my mind.
0: <laughs> well, so, and it's
3: so funny too because like I I know that I, I, I know you guys are all probably like me where you're like I want to start talking about it but I need to save it until Sunday night so <laughs> yes. I can talk about it fresh. On Sunday
2: night.
3: <laughs> yep. Deleting. The,
4: like
0: you have the text typed. You're like, mm, right now. No, <laughs>
3: no, we're talking about it yet. <laughs> wait, wait.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so listeners, you are joining us for our first discussion as a group on this. So you can, you can be a part of the conversation as well. Any final thoughts before we, before we wrap up?
1: I have so many little factoids that I wrote down that we didn't get to go for May it. May I just yep. list them. Yep, okay. Yep, yep. Um, favorite, second favorite line was Cobb Vance saying, I guess every once in a while, both suns shine on a womp rat's tail. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh uh, my gosh, that was great. Um, also, we found out that the Tuscan gaffy stick, uh, their little weapon, is actually a toothbrush for their... Right. Um, for the Bantha. their Banthas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was the best, the Banthas. <laughs> so literally, when you get attacked... By the Tuscan Raider, getting attacked with a toothbrush or a <laughs> <laughs> toothpick or whatever. Um, it's like a Swiss another, army knife. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another cool thing uh, was okay, so when the crate dragon is coming out and then it's going back into its cave, um, he says, dank ferric, it's going back in. And I was like, dank ferric? Why does that sound familiar? So I Googled it. And it turns out that in season one, episode one, Mithral, the Mithral says that. he says Uh Dangferic.
0: But I think that's like the only other place that it's that it's ever in Star Wars.
1: So, my theory is that season three episode one somebody's gonna say, <laughs> "Oh thankt
0: yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well that was season i mean season one episode one gave us that uh life day reference, so there's yeah. always something yes, <laughs> something fun in there,
1: okay, so my other thing was uh that when everybody's working together to um you know lo- load the charges and get the you know, while the crate dragon is sleeping, um, I noticed that Cobb is actually drinking from mm-hmm. the Tuscan Raiders mm-hmm. little, I don't know what that was, a gourd or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was doing it very nonchalant. So I really one of the things that I loved about this episode was the character development. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we definitely saw it early on that Dinjarin has totally, you know, changed in his uh, personality and who he trusts. Right? He's obviously learned the Tusken Raiders language, and uh, he he's fine with droids now or whatever. But um, even with Cobb Banth, you know, his ability to at first he's calling these people m- monsters and you know um, threatening to shoot one of them, and now he's just so casually drinking from their stinky water thing so um it it was it was pretty neat to see that um and i thought that was such a little detail that really um again shows rather than tells you know about the the character development so those are my little factoids that i wrote down
0: those are great the
4: only thing i really wanted to mention was just uh, you know i think we we said most of what i had but i just i love timothy oliphant and you know Mm -hmm. I pretty much everything i 've ever seen him in, and this is kind of a deep dive i don 't know if you guys I was trying to think what's the first thing I ever saw him in, and it was as the villain in live free or die hard
3: <laughs> oh yeah okay oh yeah, so
4: you know not not the best die hard movie, <laughs> but you know he he had a pretty good you know presence in that, and I thought he was you know eh, you know an all right villain then he was in one of the he was in the hitman movie, which wasn't that great not you really. know but it just he's he's always intrigued me, and then my family really got into justified mm mm-hmm. You know, and, and I guess he was in Deadwood too, but you know, just yeah, but looking at his whole career, I don't know what it is. It's just like he is a Western,
3: yes, <laughs> Absolutely. you know, yeah.
4: and like you could not have possibly put anyone more authentic in there, you know. And I know there's like mixed opinions about Kevin Costner, who's who wouldn't fit in this role, but I thought it's just someone who, like, he reminds me, of like, Kevin Costner, you can throw him in a Western and it always seems to work somehow, you know, but but Timothy Oliphant, like, putting him in there as soon as he takes the helmet off I just loved it from the very get-go he's just like smiling you know sitting there like I've never met a real Mandalorian you know it's like oh (laughs) dude I'm so happy
3: you're in this (laughs) he's so recognizable that that, that as soon as he came on the screen my wife's like oh that's my dude from Justified (laughs) yes (laughs)
4: And he's so confident in the armor, but the armor—it just looks clunky on him. It does. You know? It looks like wrong. It, it's yeah. especially the gauntlet things, especially. Just don't. And he like he looks uncomfortable in it, but he's got the swagger. I just think yeah, that it. scarf
3: that made it, it looked like the helmet oh, yeah. was like floating yeah. above his uh, above the armor.
4: And even that was but such so a western
3: funny. thing. You know, that, that yeah, that kind of scarf around the neck. Yep. Yeah, the John Wayne scarf. Yeah, right. It's so funny. You can tell the difference between a well-made. A well-made Mandalorian armor and a, and a not well-made man, or a Mandalorian armor that doesn't fit,
2: right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what you see here. I was going to say it just looked like, you know, borrowed cosplay. You yeah. know, it's yeah. like he's yeah, too exactly. tall. Exactly. He, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, he had like a friend that had it. He's like, you know what? Can I just grab this? I'm going to, I'm going to Comic-Con.
0: <laughs> Andrew, <dude>, that's exactly <laughs> where I was going to go with this. Like, like it's, it yeah. gives all of us Manda wannabes hope. Or just to <laughs> even even just like throw if you throw a red scarf onto your onto your Mandalorian yeah. costume like
2: now that is yeah. completely yeah. appropriate now and it works <laughs> legit <laughs> yeah um, another thing uh, another cool fact to it I guess uh, uh, Timothy Oliphant was in Deadwood and so was the the bartender mm. uh, oh. I'm forgetting the actor's name but he was also he also played a bartender on Deadwood. Um, oh, right. Yeah, oh and my gosh. Uh, so I thought that was a cool connection, and huh. a, a, a cool thing that I noticed. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed this was me being a, like a, a film guy. It, it was shot in widescreen, uh, mm-hmm. but you know when the when the cray dragon opens its mouth for the first time, the bars mm-hmm. go up and, it, and it's full no. screen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then so it's totally. I mean, and and for all those scenes with the the cray dragon, it just. Shooting mm-hmm. in that scope is is much better with, especially with all the action and the movement. Um, and then, and then after they defeat the dragon, the bars come back, and it's and it's much more. You know, oh wow! I didn't notice that. that. So if you go back and watch it, you, you'll notice it. And then, and I just thought it was brilliant because normally, uh, you know, filmmakers, especially for TV, they would, they don't dare do stuff like that. <laughs> you know, changing <laughs> the the aspect ratio because it, it would be very noticeable. Uh, but I thought like the transition. Literally, if you go back and watch it, it's when it opens his mouth for the first time. And that is it was like seamless. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought, I thought that was really cool. They've got some really cool ways to to
0: to make those things and add again, like 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 the music, add depth to to a scene and not just be for mm-hmm. practical, practical reasons. OK, well, I think I think that's that's it from us. So listeners, of course, if you have. Thoughts on uh, this particular episode The Marshall, uh, season 2 of The Mandalorian That uh, you'd like to share Definitely let us know Uh, You can comment uh, on our Facebook or Twitter page You can send us an email And our email is starwars at sqpn.com and you can find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media on our and on Twitter at SQPN. So be sure to to follow us and to to like to like the uh the Facebook and and join in on the conversation on these these episodes. We would also, of course, like to take a moment and thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including this week Daphne M, Tim G, Ramses, David W, and David V. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows that we make here at StarQuest. And please, if you would like to join them, you can do so by going to sqpn.com slash give. Also, of course, make sure that you're subscribed to the show so you can be uh, listening as we drop these episodes every Tuesday after uh, The Mandalorian streams on Friday. So you can subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app. And you can also find us on YouTube um, on our SQPN YouTube channel and just hit the, the bell to receive notifications for that. And please uh, share the show on on Facebook and Twitter and help get the word out. Um, So share it to all your your Trekkie friends too, but share it to all your friends in general for those who would be (laughs) interested in listening to the podcast so we can help grow our audience. You can also find any and all previous episodes of The Secrets of Star Wars by going to sqpn.com slash starwars. And we will be back next week where we will be discussing the second episode of season two of The Mandalorian, which I don't think we have a title for. I know that there was kind Not of leaked yet. titles, but they have so far already been wrong. So um, mm-hmm. I think the search was actually what was leaked for episode one. And it's the Marshall. So uh, either way, we're looking at, see- at episode two next week. So um, until then, Andrew Hermes, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. Thank you, it was a pleasure. Angela Cialana, thanks for joining us this evening.
1: Adios, I'll ride off into the sunset now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The the dual sun sunset. Uh, Thomas Sanjuro, thanks for joining us also. It was great to be here. And Mike Creevy, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. And once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest.